This episode of the Cyborg Crew has been brought to you by Lucky 13 Tattoo Aftercare. Hey guys, uh, Tony here, and uh, it's no secret, I've got a couple tattoos. And uh, I like to make sure those tattoos stay looking good. And one of the coolest ways that I find to keep my tattoos looking good is Lucky 13. Um, found out about Lucky 13 a while ago, and uh, I just, I think it's a great product. You know, they've got a tattoo balm, they've got it in a tube, they've got it in a tin, and they've got a cleanser and healing ointment. Um, cleanser's the best on a fresh tattoos, and the balm you can use from a brand new tattoo to a tattoo that you've had for years. Look, a lot of my tattoos I've had since I was 18 years old. That's 12, 13 years ago now. And uh, with Lucky 13, those tattoos look just as pristine as the day that they got put on. And, uh, you know, all natural ingredients with Lucky 13. Uh, things like aloe vera, avocado oil, beeswax, coconut extract. Like, just stuff that's good for your skin. And anything that's good to put on your skin and goes in your skin can also help nourish it better. Uh, Lucky 13 even has a fact test about how it works, how to use it, and what product would be best for you. Uh, they've been talked about on NBC, USA Today, CBS, and Fox. It's just a fantastic product with thousands of great reviews and the fact that they donate to the Impact Melanoma Organization to help educate people of the importance of skin cancer prevention and early detection awareness. It's an all-around great company. When I feel like taking care of my tattoos, I definitely make sure that I hit up Lucky13 at protectyourink.com. Protectyourink.com, and if you use the code that comic Tony, that's T H A T C O M I C T O N Y, you can get twenty five percent off your order. That's right, listeners of this show that use the code that comic Tony at checkout can get twenty five percent off their order. I think that's pretty badass, a lucky thirteen. So let's support a company that does a lot to help prevent skin cancer around the world and that keeps our tattoos looking great. Lucky thirteen tattoo at protectyourink.com. Hey, 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 hi, hey, wow, whoa, hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sidewalk Crew. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, for everybody listening out there. Uh, it's been another crazy week, another great week in comedy, um, and just another good week all around. Um, this week, I have a very special guest. Uh, this, this person uh, has been in the comedy class with me a few times, um, a very uh, young up-and-coming comedian. And uh, somebody who I look forward to seeing develop more and more and more every time I see her. Mike's, it makes me happy. Um, and I can't wait to hear what she's going to talk about next. Uh, Dawn Shirk, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Glad to be here. Very happy to be here. Oh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Tony. I feel so old. <laughs> you, are, Mister. you are You are old but special. Yeah, old but special. <laughs> I'm, I'm 65 in cocaine years. <laughs> it's good for you. So, Dawn. Just uh, straight into brass tacks. Uh, yes. You've been, h- how long have you been telling jokes? Like, and I don't mean like anecdotes or anything like this, but when you decided that you thought you wanted to pursue comedy. Like comedy, I, comedy. Because I've taken the class with you twice, but I don't think the class I took with you the, my first time was your first time. Um, I think it was. I think it was. It was like October, September, October last year. That was your first time. Yeah, that was my first time. See, I thought that was your second go round. I don't mm-hmm. know why. No, I'm, well, I mean, I'm now like a lifer, but yeah, no, <laughs> I can't get out of there. Um, but um, yeah, I started last fall, last fall. Um, and, and, and like you said, I mean, telling stories and stuff like that, yeah, forever. And people have always said to me, oh, you should do stand-up. And I'm like, eh, no, because um, I was scared. But, um, so yeah, just, just not even a year. So I know, I know we've had this conversation before, 
but if you wouldn't mind explaining to to the peoples and and my 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 six listeners, um, <laughs> seven maybe after today, we'll shoot for seven. Um, what what was it that allowed you to break through and decide that you you it was it was it the fact that you wanted to? I'm trying to think of a good way to articulate this. Was it the fact that you didn't want to be what you thought scared was anymore, or was it that you just wanted? wanted a different turn was it the fear that made you want to do it or was it was it something else entirely um I think I think I actually wanted to do it forever but like the fear like I was I was scared of of getting on stage um I'm a little older and one of my biggest fears is forgetting what I'm saying and then just like blanking and that's always my fear like before I step on stage it's like crap what if everything goes because that may happen right here it happens to me a lot when I just lose track of what I'm what I'm talking about um but what you know I think that like I said people had had said to me before you should do this you should do that and and I'm like yeah yeah whatever but honestly I had a really big compliment one day and it like made this little switch for me I was in a car with a bunch of people telling some story I don't know what it was but one of my friends that I had just met he's sitting in the back seat and he's like man you should write for SNL and it's like of course I'm not gonna go write for SNL but it was like damn thank you (laughs) you know I was like oh my god like that's way that's huge right did you ever get to meet Momo before Momo left to go to New York I didn't know Momo left Momo, Momo, well, Momo's in New York. Okay. Um, but uh, Momo, so you met, you know who I Momo think is. so, I think so, yeah. Okay, so Momo, I remember me and Eric Brown were talking to him. And, because uh, he, he got a job before he went up to New York. And Momo's a comedian who came from here um, and went up to New York and is doing fantastic up in the New York scene. He puts out great content on TikTok. Um, and he does, you know, great sets. I've seen a lot of the sets that he's taken up there, and it's, it's good stuff. But uh, <laughs> I remember he was sitting there, he was like, I'm going for pure comedy. SNL can extend me an offer, and I'm going to be like, nope, if I can't do stand-up, I'm going to take it. And me and Eric Brown looked at him and was like, motherfucker, you better take yeah. that job. <laughs> like, Yeah, But exactly. then after seeing what they did to Shane Gillis, I don't know if he should take yeah. that job. Because yeah. that was, you've got to think, everybody in that room is now kicking themselves. That man is an, is an unresounding force in stand-up right now. So, so yeah, and, and so, of course, that wasn't even a goal for me. But it, it was like, that, like, level of, of compliment it was just like wow like something with you with what I have been telling you I mean everybody's laughing everybody you know but so I did I saw that the idiot box had classes and I was like oh maybe I could do that because I like taking classes I can't get out of school you know so I thought maybe I could do that but then I had this thought that you were supposed to like do stand up on day one like they were gonna put you on stage hand you a mic and you're supposed to start talking and I was like I can't I I, I don't know how to do that. And then pandemic hit. And so I think they were trying to do some stuff virtual, but that didn't really interest me. I really wanted to be in the space. So as soon as they listed that they were going to have a class and it was going to be in person, I signed up. And I remember I had taken two improv classes. Jenny did some improv for teachers during the pandemic. And it was not my thing. It scared the crap out of me. But I can remember then and the first day of class sitting in my car in the parking lot like I can't get out. <laughs> I can't get out. I can't go do this. I'm not going to go do this. This is crazy. What if what if what if what if what if, you know, a million what ifs. Um and but then, you know, for whatever reason I got up and and went in and did and uh I'm excruciatingly glad you did. I am excruciatingly glad I did. Um it has it literally has changed my life. I mean, not in terms of like 
monetarily or anything like but just like my mindset and and what is important to me has completely had a huge huge shift I, I don't think there's any of us that got into it like everybody everybody like a little taste of fame but I mean honestly for me it was more of a like I like performing mm-hmm. you know uh, I did music when I was younger uh, uh, there was a brief in college where I did poetry it's <laughs> 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 a bad idea um, not uh, not to rag on any slam poets out there, but y'all y'all know what y'all are. You know, just mad at everybody. Um, uh, and uh, then I, I'd emceed at clubs, you know, for years, and just it's just the thrill to perform. But it's this is different. This is totally different. It's it's very different. And you know, when I when I took those um, the improv classes, the first one we took on the first day, we're playing these games, and and I I was just like I, I it was not clicking for me and then Jenny's like okay we're gonna do this thing it's called 60 seconds in hell and you stand on the stage by yourself with a mic I give you a, to- a topic and you talk for 60 seconds I got up there I'm like Brrr! you know and it was like and it was funny and she laughed and if I get Jenny to laugh I, my, my day is made you know and so and I didn't even know her then but that was like yes and so that was I was like I don't play well with others I like being up here by myself <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really it. So uh, I would I would think improv though it's because that's something I haven't done yet mm-hmm. and, and it's on my list of things to do because I feel like uh, the the sharpening the improv side of your brain will kind of like like if you get an adverse crowd reaction or somebody says something it'll kind of give you that on the fly muscle you know. Yeah, Dusty tells me all the time like you need to do the improv to to help your your stand up and you said something last night when we were talking about thinking on your feet yeah. and like working, you know, with the crowd when somebody says something and being able to react and, you know, and all that. And, and I thought, yeah, that is true because I'm still back in the like, what am I going to say? What's my next word? You know? And so I'm not. Well, I mean, if there was ever, if there was ever an exercise in thinking on your feet, I, I think as a young comic, you got to watch it happen in real time last night. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was, that was a group of comics who just, and it's, it's not that here's, here's the thing. There's no such thing. Like. There's weird shows, but there's not... That wasn't a bad show. That was a good audience with good people. It was just... They were very... It's... They were very in... How do I say it without sounding like... I'm not saying it was a bad crowd. I'm not saying it was a bad group of comics. It just... It just just seemed... It just seemed dry, you know? So that... And that's a lot of on-the-fly thinking. And you gotta... You know, I, I did... I did old material. Um, EB did new stuff and right. was able to get some of it to land. It, it just, it, it all depends on the person and how they do it. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hello. Yeah, and, you know, and I think and one thing that I have found, like, for open mic on, on, on Wednesdays, when it's a little, a little more low-key, to me at least, um, it, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he, he, um, he, 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 he like to nibble for no reason sometimes. Break yourself, fool. Um, but... <laughs> But, you know, like, I find on Wednesdays that I go in there planning, you know, I have what I'm going to work on, what I'm going to do, but then I sit in the back with my notebook, and I'm thinking about what everybody else has been saying, and usually when I get up, I start talking about what everybody else has talked about, because it's just triggered some things in my head, but when I'm over there on Thursday night, then I'm trying to work on my set, you know, and... That's not a bad muscle to flex, though. But that's what I mean, I think it's good, because it keeps my brain a little younger, it keeps me, like having to to think you know and in a different way does that make sense yeah so how do you write when you write like it's Mm. does it are you painfully are you a well i mean do you 
do you have a like do you think of like something like are, are you a punch first are you a punch first person mm-hmm. like, right so premise premise always comes I first. am I'm a storyteller you're a storyteller so and I and I come from a a you know um, narrative background right I, I've I have I, I write um, creative nonfiction memoir and so and I and I've been published and I write articles and I've been published so I have a vi- much bigger sort of sense of writing like 10,000 word essay kind of writing. Long form. So this is like poetry to me. This is like you have to squish everything and get get to those punchlines, right? And that's what I'm working on right now is trying to get to the punchlines. Um, like I know what's funny in there, but trying to get it out to the funny. So when I, when I start writing, usually what I do is I just, you know, a story will come to me, something that's happened to me, and I'll either talk it to my phone or I'll get it into my computer or lately I've gotten better about just making a few little notes in my notebook and not worrying about, oh, I can't write all this out right now, I'm not gonna do anything, you know? So I have like four different platforms for getting things down and then all of it ends up in my computer. Um, so like for right now I'm working on a set and I started out with with about five minutes, most of it's crap, but like the other night at like 12.30 I woke up and all of a sudden I was like, ah! I know what I need. Took my phone in the bathroom, got on Google Keep, right? And I'm like, so I wouldn't forget. Then the next day, cut and paste it into my document. And and so I'm kind of all over the place in that way, but it's how my brain works. I mean, it's so I, for me, I can mine premises out of anything. But like mining premises is one thing. But like being able to construe them onto regular paper is another. It's, for me, it's... So I can, uh, what I've been doing lately, you know, when Steve, uh, and, and it was, I, I just want to say this, I said this in one of my earlier episodes, um, uh, one of the first ones I ever did, and it was, uh, there's a lot of hate in the community, believe it or not. In the larger community. In the larger community. Not in our community. Not, not our community. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the stand-up community as a whole, for comedy classes, because several large-name comedians um, feel like you can't. Like, somebody can't teach you how to be funny. And I agree with that. Yep. No one can teach yep. you how to be funny. But I think if you're taking a stand-up class to learn how to be funny, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're going to be disappointed. I took a, so, uh, yeah, sorely disappointed. I feel like Steve Lesser teaches a... a he shows it, it, what I feel like is a glimpse into his process mm-hmm. and how he writes and what he's found success in writing or how he's able to break down his process into a translatable form right. of information. Now, he does give you, like, terminology and vocabulary that's used throughout comedy as a whole, but in general, he's kind of teaching you how to write. And the structure of, of yeah, the joke. and how to mine data. And I think that, you know, like any art or any sport, you know, you, you, you learn those basics and then you break all of them, right? I mean, you learn those basics and then you fit it for how you do things. Exactly. Right? But if you don't know the basics, then you're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between tweaking and being all over the place, right? And and so that's what I get out of, or one of the things I get out of is exactly that, getting that structure, getting that, because I'm trying to learn. I, for me, it takes me forever to get to the joke, to, to get to the punchline. You know, it's like, I start here and then I've got my 10,000 word essay. 
<laughs> and then I got something funny down here. And so it's for me, it's learning how to pull out what's not necessary. I think Steve told me one time, he was like, you got to cut some of the boot leather. So. <laughs> it was, because it was, you know, I. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that he, he told me to do, which, which I thought was really useful, um, was to listen, you know, to record it, have your, your text on paper, listen and highlight when you hear the laughs. Yeah. Highlight the laughs, not where you think the jokes are, but highlight where people are laughing and then take everything else out and start over. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what I do. I tell you, I do that and then if well, I, now, and I don't necessarily highlight everything, but that's kind of what I do. I try to listen for where do I need to fix this and where do I need to just Well, now I, I would also say like I am under I'm on the strong end of never throw anything out because there's a couple there's a couple things I'll be doing through the next couple weeks leading up to the festival before like two weeks before because two weeks before the festival i'm gonna you know decide on my sets and i'm gonna i'm gonna work right and i mean and when i say throw out i mean everything's in my phone right i don't get rid of well yeah yeah i'm saying never never get rid but like it's there's there's premises that i've had for like stuff that i told when i first started getting up that i at the time were just structured i think it was shit like i think it was but there's a couple jokes in there that I've had a couple people been like, you remember when you used to tell this joke about that? And I right. was like, yeah. And they were like, yo, that's a good joke. And I was like, yeah, that was a terrible joke. It didn't go well for me at all. And they're like, well, why don't you try it now? Knowing what you know now. So that's another thing. Or paired with other things. Like yeah. when you pull it out and stick it with something else, mm-hmm. then it makes sense. Or then it gets funnier because it's Different. bumping up to something else. Absolutely. But the, the, the thing for me has been, because even with me, like I write, my my process is really weird. I write. I have I have three notebooks. Mm-hmm. I have one that's literally a group of circles with spider legs coming off of circles, and then from there, there's the the one book that is verbatim what I say, mm-hmm. and it's thoughts as they come, and then but once I have a joke structured, and I know it works, like the one I tell about my wife and the the mic stand. My favorite joke. So it's, <laughs> I think it's number ten. But I have them all numbered, and I have, like, the main meat of the joke by the number. And then I have bullet points next to it. So that way, like, I could tell that joke. I've probably told that joke seven different ways right. since I started telling that joke. But the, 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 the punch is the same. But the way I notate it on there, it's to make it fluid to transition into whatever and wherever I need to put it. Right, And right. That, that keeps it fluid. It also, well, and it makes me... I feel like if it gets to a point where you feel like you're reading off a script, it's bad. Right. And see, that's, that's, I'm getting less of that. And I think when you start anything, you're kind of, that's kind of where you are. Yeah, yeah that's right? everybody. Yeah. And, and, but, and that kind of feeds into the, the other um, thought of, you know, like my voice. Like, I want to have that natural voice of storytelling, which if I sat here and told you a story, I would have. But I get on stage and I listen to my voice and I'm like, stop. Like, you don't sound like you. You don't, you tell, you sound like you're reading something, right? And, and that takes, takes work one, one of my and f- practice, one, I think. It does. One of my favorite times I've ever seen you is uh, the first Wednesday you came to next door. <laughs> The boob Wednesday. Yeah, and it was boob Wednesday. It forever known as history in history is boob Wednesday. We stormed Normandy and there were tits, damn it. I was saying something to Ryan about that last night, and he and I had never actually talked before. And he was like, oh, I remember you. <laughs> but uh, it's, you, you made a decision, and I watched the light go off in your head. 
as you made the decision to do what you were going to do, and you were three words in, and three or four words in, I saw this light go off in your head, and you were like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says out here. I'm doing this one for me. And, like, at least that's the way it looked to me, and that was the most natural. And it, it flowed like the River Nile, and it was I, I think a part of that was, one, I had not prepared it. That's just a story I've told, right? And, and two, it was the first time outside of class that I had stood up in front of people. And I was like, I walked in. I had only been to open mic once, and I hadn't gotten up. I just went to watch a friend of mine who was, who was on, who was going on. And it was packed that night at the bar. And so I thought, oh, it's always packed in here. I'm going to go in. I'll be kind of anonymous, no problem. I walk in. There's like 15 of you, and you're all men. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, you know, just for the record, I'm way older than almost everybody that steps foot in that place. So I was like, what the hell am I going to talk about? And then I was like, all right, if I get up, I got to talk about boobs because it's a room full of men. Like, <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> that, funny. That's it. And, and I feel like in some ways, you know, I've used that piece of it to craft out a set but now I, I feel like I need to go back to sort of, I wish I'd rec recorded myself that night, I didn't, to sort of get back to that natural I, place with it. I think that, I think that it's fine for you to take notes on it, but I honestly think if it's a story that you know so well in your head, like uh, the Waffle House story that I tell from time to time, never been written down, because it really fucking happened. I really went to a Waffle House, we were both very drunk, there were cops everywhere, and my buddy picked up a plate off of some dude's table. Didn't know the guy. Knew the cook at the Waffle House. Threw it at the cook because he said he didn't have gravy and turned around and walked out. Real ass story. There's no fat on that joke. Is there anybody in the South that does not have a Waffle House story? That's what I'm, I have a, a Waffle House story, but it's not a drunken story. It's a your father's not your father story. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mother chose to take me to tell me at age 40 that the man I thought was my father, who I really didn't know, was not my father because she had had an affair with some guy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's in funny. The Waffle, House, the Waffle House on Windover, as a matter of fact. East Windover or West Windover? The one by Costco. I guess that's... Oh, West Windover. Yeah. That's out this way, yeah. So, yeah. Every time I drive by there, I'm like... <laughs> okay, first of all, anybody that eats at Waffle House during the day is suspect. Like... Suspect. If you're, if, if you're you can eating, see the food, you're no, seeing the food's fine because it's well fluorescently lit. No matter what <laughs> no, time of day it is. No, I just mean if you can see it and you still want it. Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, but Waffle House is definitely nighttime food. What man, y'all? My cat. Yeah. He just he's, he's he is totally cute. Don't listen to Tony. He he's he's special. But he's special. Waffle House is is when I was. I was telling you, I was lived at, a, at an Ivy League school for a while, and I lived at Penn. I lived in Philadelphia at Penn, and, and I had a boyfriend who went to Penn, and friends who went to Penn. And uh, yo, Penn State's crazy. We not Penn State University, of Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. no, yeah. that's not yeah. yo. What? So yeah, and so long story how I got there, but anyway, that's where they made all the acid. Um, and that's where yeah, well, other stuff was going on. But anyway, um, so we used to have we had a bar at the corner that everybody went to every night, and then we had the ATP after tavern party. The name of the bar was the tavern. So after tavern party, Waffle House is just an ATP. I mean, it is an after party play, right? Like yeah. That's you have to eat there 
to to like be able to get home. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, but it just well, it, Waffle House as a whole. Did you real fact, true fact? <clears throat> the 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 National Weather Service will base their decisions on evacuation protocol on whether or not Waffle House is open. Okay, explain that to me. What do you mean? So, like, if, say, for example, there's a hurricane, Uh and the hurricane's coming. Mandatory evacuations, some of those decisions are made. Because people won't leave the Waffle House? Under under the guise on whether, because Waffle House is always open. If Waffle House is closed, shit got real. (laughs) I see what you're saying. Okay. But I heard this, and I was like, you're fucking kidding me. There's no way. No way. And I did some digging, and I did some research, and ended up on the phone with somebody who works in the National Weather Service. And they were like, oh, no, totally. If we we investigate an area, we call the Waffle House that's closest to where stuff's going. And if they say we're closing or we get no answer... And we call two or three times and get no answer. And we call up an they, they They start talking about emergency evacuation. Like, no shit. Because Waffle House is always open. That is... And that just... So, for a place that we make fun of, they're, they're a big factor in public safety, apparently. <laughs> this fucking society. Uh- <laughs> Where else but Waffle House, ladies oh and gentlemen? Um, yeah. That's, I, uh, that's really funny. Um, yeah, you know, it's... it's uh, See, I just lost my train of thought. It's, it's all good. I See, you, you feel like you're losing your train of thought for certain reasons. I know why I lose mine, and I choose to. Yeah, well, see, that's different. Because it makes, well, it makes, it makes the show more fun. It makes the show more organic. That's um, different, but this, and, and, and I'm just, I'm used to it. And it, and it's funny because my mother is 86 years old, and she's had two heart attacks and two strokes, and, and she's okay, but she loses words a lot. And then she looks at me and she'll go, like, what am I trying to say? And I'm like, fuck if I know. Like, <laughs> I am not inside. And then she gets mad at me. You know, like, <laughs> what is the word? And I'm like, I don't have any context. Like, I don't know the word. And then I'll tell her, like, I can't remember this word. And she's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I'm just... I, I carry a thesaurus just to be like, what do you mean? I meant lugubrious. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Or, or, or another thing. Um, you excited for the festival? I am. I am. Um, so, I, I didn't go to the festival last year, did I? No. I went to UCC last year, where I saw you first. Um, but I didn't yeah, go to the yeah, festival. You, you, was UCC before or after I was dying? Um, I think it was before. Before you were dying? Yeah. You were dying? I was dying in the hospital. That's why I went to the festival last year. I know you were dying last year. Yeah, I was in the hospital dying of the plague. That's when I found out I was a diabetic. But I, but you weren't really dying, dying. Yeah, like yeah, for real. Like in this moment, like like I, it could go either way, kind of. Yeah, like. I was so I went in there on Friday. When I went in, my lips were blue. I was so dry that I drank two IV bags on full in about thirteen and a half minutes. I mean, like my body just because I couldn't, I couldn't. I had been at home with COVID pneumonia and the Delta variant, probably the the and the worst end of it unknowingly like just like sitting here thinking I had some end of it and I was like no I'm just fine I'm gonna get through it couldn't hold nothing in my body nothing I was wrecked it destroyed me so I get to the hospital and that doctor 
is somewhere else dealing with a crazy emergency. Like in the the team that I get assigned to and they take good care of me. Then like the second night I'm in there, I remember hearing all this noise. Like bells and whistles were going off and craziness. And I just felt so cold and so calm. And I just wanted to go to sleep. And I just felt this pressure ah! in my I just felt this pressure in my head that was like, hey, if you just go to sleep right now, everything will be fine. Everything will be and it was so comforting and it was warm. And it was just like just uh and then right as my eyes rolled into the back of my head, I remember seeing a nurse grab on my arm with my IV and punch something into my IV line. And then I felt like I was getting hugged by Jesus. Um, cause it, whatever, I don't know what they gave me, but I distinctively remember looking at the nurse and I was like, yo, that shit is fantastic. <laughs> Can I take some home? I, I couldn't <laughs> afford it. And then uh, I had met my doctor like, a, uh, like the next day after that. And, uh, it's a true story. When I tell the joke, he says, you about bought the farm twice yesterday. Uh, cause they did that to me twice in one day. I don't remember the first time. I remember the second time. Like, I was on the way so out how, the door. But how did you get there? Like, I mean, obviously, ambulance. But, I mean, like, ha- what happened here that got you there? Well, it wasn't. Like, so, we were living somewhere else at the were. time. But it was, like I said, I was, I had, I got covered with work. Right. And it just, like. But, I mean, did you pass out? Did you, I mean, like. What made what? me go to the hospital? Yeah, yeah. I woke up and my lips were blue. And that, so you like, Yeah, and this was five, this was five to seven days in. Uh-huh. Like, so I had no immunity left. I'm talking for me now. So for me to walk from here to the door a year ago, I would have been breathing a little heavy. But, like, I had to take breaks, taking the same distance to get outside so the ambulance could come get me. Because I knew they couldn't get me in, inside. They wouldn't have been able to get in to get me. Right. So we... I went and I ended up at this place in High Point first, and I was there for almost twenty four hours, and uh, I cu- I couldn't eat I couldn't eat anything, and uh, it was it was and I remember when they rolled me into that place in High Point, I rolled across the scale, and <coughs> they told me I weighed five oh five, and I, I my heart sank, but at the same time I didn't care. I was like, yo, I'm dying. Was that the Cone Emergency Place? That's on sixty eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go there when I got attacked by a pit bull. Well, then they uh. Then they, I ended up at a Moses Cone because they had a COVID ward, and a mm-hmm. bed had opened up for me. And they were gonna, they were, they were, they were putting me somewhere where if they had to do anything to me, like intubate or anything like that, they were gonna be able to. Because it was, I mean, it didn't look good. Like they were telling me straight up, like this right. does not look. And good your wife at all. was not allowed to be in there. I'm guessing. No, no. Yeah. And my phone had died. Oh jeez. So I was alone. No contact. I uh, was totally uh, alone. And. um when I got over to Cone, I called my wife, and I told her they had transferred me, and she said, well, what are they saying? And I was like, they've got to run tests. And uh, they started me on this drug called remdesivir mm-hmm. that you can only take five times. Um, I, I guess it's five times a, a, in, a, in a dosing period or what have you. But uh, it was, I mean, it was bad. Like, I was, I, was, I was on the way. I was consigned with being out and everything. And uh, I felt I felt stupid because I had I had waited to get vaccinated, because like just I'm I'm a numbers guy. I like tangible evidence. I didn't. It wasn't that I was saying that I didn't think the government was trying to kill me. Right. Any more than the government's already trying to kill me. Right. <laughs> like I, I I didn't think that people were trying to control me any more than people were already trying to control me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just it's the same level of danger and control. It's just with a shot. 
And I just, I know my body's not the best because, you know, uh, even four years sober, I ravaged my insides with illicit substances. Right, right. So I don't like, to me, getting sick's a big deal. Like, and I mean, I've got, you know, I've, uh, my, my grandmother's had cancer, my grandfather had cancer, I had a cousin that had stage four Burkitt's. Uh, everybody's got a taste of alcoholism, you know. Uh, I had a cousin that died of addiction. My immediate family, like, it's not. So I, I try to stay out of doctors and just like I didn't want to take something. And I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to react to this, at all. And uh, I'm, I'm laughing just at the amount of things that you take and then you. <laughs> well, I mean, like nobody. <laughs> but you see the irony when, there. There is, but when you're when you're when you when you're doing meth in a bathroom. <laughs> Nobody says like it's. Nobody worries about what's in the meth. You don't get a list of possible. Side no, effects. no. There's not a li- like. I've never been handed a bag of cocaine that said side effects may include heart palpitations and anal leakage. If that was a thing, I would have probably done Still more organic done. cocaine. My God, is this grass-fed cocaine? Yeah, exactly. But just. Uh, you know, and and you pick it, but that's you know that's addiction. Once you turn it on, you've right. got no control over that. Right. And that, that's something I've, I've explained to a thousand people. They're like, well, why now do you care about what someone's goes in? They're like, dude, I remember five years ago, like, I've watched you snort cocaine off of a toilet. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and they're like, why were you doing that? And it's like, because it was on cocaine. Like, that's... <laughs> it's a flat surface. Yeah. Uh, yes! <laughs> yes! It's a hard, flat surface. Credit it's, card hits. We, 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 got, we got smart. We started carrying around little glass vials. And we all had teeny weeny spoons that mm-hmm. look very similar mm-hmm. to that. And this is not what this is for. This is a dab tool for, for marijuana concentrates. But we all had teeny weeny spoons that yep. looked a lot like that. Yep. And we'd, yep. Which I feel like this is, these just came about because the Coke spoon people, big Coke spoons, if you will, were like, we need a way to sell all these little motherfuckers. <laughs> Everything is about marketing. But uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but when you're on drugs, you don't, you don't think, but you know, and then it was like, I had, like I said, I've been clean for forever and I've been, when I first got clean, I wouldn't take aspirin. I'm talking, I would, I would suffer through headaches, indigestion. I wouldn't put anything, I wouldn't drink orange juice because it was too close to changing your body chemistry for me to have a drug. And, uh, I took all the meds they gave me. And, uh, then a buddy of mine sat me down and he was like, Hey man, you're acting crazy. And I was like, that's because I'm crazy. And he was like, well, just because they told you that you've got some stuff wrong with your head and you're on a couple nootropics doesn't make you crazy. And I'm like, no, like, here's the paperwork, certifiably. And he's like, be that as it may, this is ridiculous. And uh, I went out to Cali and um, for, for a weekend and talked to some people out there. And then uh, I got back here and um, I had finished a program uh, with this lady named Anna Evans, who is... Uh, a, a brilliant doctor and a brilliant uh, therapist and uh, the, the program that she heads up for uh, behavioral health uh, as an outpatient program is fantastic and mm-hmm. I would send anybody that woman as a psychiatrist. Yeah, she, is that through Cone? Yeah, that's, that's, that's through Cone. That's over Wesley Long with, uh, uh-huh. through behavioral health. Mm-hmm. But Anne just, her, she, because I had to explain to her when I went in, I was like, I didn't go into rehab for weed. I went because I was doing way too much coke and I was shaking when I wouldn't drink. And I was like, yo, marijuana's a part of my life. I use marijuana as a stress reliever and everything. Like, it's, it's medicine to me. And she was like, well, for this program, I'd ask you to be clean. So for almost a year, I was 
totally like nothing. I hit that. Uh, Dawn, I had the shit in my shampoo. I had it in lip balm. I had it in everything in my fridge. Lotion that I could rub into my skin. Fuck it. And I'm not talking like it had hemp in it. I'm talking active cannabinoids that would get you stoned. Wow. But it was that was my lifestyle. But, right. And it's it's still my lifestyle. Um, I'm what they call Cali sober now. But I, I just... It was a year of total clean that made me realize that the dependency on it was more the addiction. But the psychotropics were messing with my brain and I wasn't I wasn't right. able to write and this was this was pre-comedy uh, I wasn't able to write this is this is when we had started doing this this the show the original sidewalk crew and uh, I, I couldn't write correctly um, I couldn't I play a lot of magic the gathering I couldn't I couldn't put you know magic stuff together right um, all, I, all I thought about and uh, the amount of antipsychotics they had me on was crazy I just all I, all I thought about all the time was like oh my god what's gonna set me off and make me try to kill myself again like, what's going to do that? So it's just fucking with your head in a different way. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, uh, I, uh, after, after a long time, I sat down and I, I smoked a little bit with a buddy of mine and, uh, I went and talked to a, a, a psychiatrist and, um, they made the decision to take me off of several of my, uh, head meds and, um, I've been doing that for, for three years and I feel a thousand times better. And three years is also... About how long you've been doing comedy? Four, four years of that, and three years, yeah, three years is three years August nineteenth. So that that it all correlated when I started smoking again. I was finally comfortable enough to get up on stage, and and start doing stuff. And I I think it's a combination of the weed and and the jokes that have made me sane. Yeah, and the community. Yeah, and the community. I but, really I really think that that. That the community is just—I've never seen anything like this. You—you you won't see it. the I only mean, other place I hear about this at. The only other place is the store. Like I hear Rogan all the time talk about, and everybody hates it when I bring up Rogan. But I like the man. I think he's a great comic, and he tells you like, don't listen to what I'm saying or how I feel about stuff, and think I'm an idiot, and that he's got his right to believe whatever he is. But he's got a platform where he's able to do amazing things. And there's nothing that he said, like, because it's coming from a comic, you understand? Right. Like, it's, there's, there's a couple things that he said where I'm like, eh, that's dumb. But, like, as a whole, it's just, but he talks about the, the community they had around the store, how people weren't, like, competing. Like, it what Right. Like, and, you know, I've, I've heard other comics say, you know, it's like crabs in a barrel. And my, my, my retort to that is, why? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, so I have a question for you about that because I really, I mean, I am, I am, although my wife says this is going away, but I am a, a such an introvert. Like, I do not, I will go places by myself, go do whatever, but I don't talk to people. I don't talk to people. My sister-in-law who's visiting right now thinks I am depressed because I'm quiet. I'm like, I'm quiet. Like, that's just what I am. But I'm there. And I just start talking, and I and it's it's just a completely different feeling. Do because you, you're comfortable. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's kind of a chicken or egg thing? Do you think that this is a community that that Jenny and Steve have created, and that that they have like made this like magic to make it this way, or do you think it's the particular comics that come in there or why do you think because I don't there, here's something you don't know about me you know in, in class you have to do your five things that nobody knows 
I've never said this, but um, I, I practice Buddhism. Um, I won't say I'm a Buddhist because I don't, I'm not a pure anything, but, but I do practice Buddhism and, and meditation and, and something that you hear a lot, it, like one of the, the three pillars of, of Buddhism is the Sangha, the, the community and how important that is. I don't have a Buddhist community here, but, but you know, and they're always calling it, you know, the beloved community the beloved Sangha. And that's how I feel about the Idiot Box. It's like the beloved community there. Like it is, it is amazing. Like in any walk of life, I've never seen anything quite like this. Because it's not just, when I first started hanging out there, I felt like it was this boys club. Like it was this like tight knit thing because you guys are all so close. But aside from that, and it is that, but everybody is so welcoming. Yeah. Everybody is like, Come on, more people. More people is good. Let me give you some advice if you ask for it, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like everybody that I have any kind of length of a conversation with gives me amazing advice of, you know, how to do open mic or, you know, all the conversations you and I have had. Like, I've never seen this before. And part of it is that competitiveness, like that lack of, like, I'm not here to step on you. I'm here to help you be better and me be better and her be better and him be better and and so where do you think that comes from? What's like the or, the organic piece of that? Half of that magic is because everybody that's doing it there does it because they love doing it. I'm not saying that the people there don't have the goals of making money off of it right. or that, but everybody has a love for the art form that they do there. And it's if you and I, I've had I've had comics say you've got you've got to realize okay you've you've got to love doing it to continue to do it to enjoying it or you've got to go fight for it one of the two there's no reason why you can't go fight for your community like if you go out somewhere and say well I've got other people here you know that can come do the same thing but competition is the killer because like it's it shouldn't be in the hands of everybody else now we can control like through through what we're doing right now like you know i'm gonna edit this content but i own all the right. content here you know that, that they put well not the conversational aspect of it but i mean like you know like the intro music at the beginning i wrote that you right, know right. the logos and stuff I've, I've made those and it's it's about keeping all your own stuff because you as a person can can turn it on you don't need six producers and two record labels or network to make stuff happen anymore. You just, you know, and if right. you use the right. support of the community around you and the people around you that you're able to lean on, everything just works better. It works, I mean, why? The reason it is the way it is, and I mean, like, is, and I don't, I don't know that it's always been this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure at some point there was there was all, like, I mean, I've heard stories of when it was weird. Like, I've heard stories of when it was weird. Right. I'm sure everything's weird at some point. But you're... It's a good group of people who don't mind working with each other. It's the fact that there's nobody that goes to those mics that are regulars that I won't talk to, that you wouldn't talk to, or right. you should feel that you don't have the end to talk to. And even if somebody who comes in new, somebody comes in that's new that asks stuff, you know, nobody there is going to immediately shun that person for being new 
or something, we might be like, bro, that was funny, or man, that last bit, whoo, that was a little, a little crazy, bro. Like, you know. Right. But it's, it's the honesty, it's the transparency, and it's the fact that, at least, so like, I don't have to be LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't have to be, if, if the team that LeBron James is on gets a fucking ring, or wins a championship, I still get a ring. Right. Whether I'm LeBron James or I'm the guy who fills up the water jugs. Right. So why not just make champions? Why not just help make champions? But I guess I guess my question is, you could say that about anything in life, any community, any group, but it's not what you normally hear, right? So why does it happen there? Like, because a lot of people talk about other other comedy, you know, communities where it's just cutthroat. And, like, what is it about there? And you said, like, everybody loves working together and, and talking together. Um, I mean, do you think that's what it is? Because it's, it's, it's love. It's love and care. They keep it. And, you know, a lot, not, not everybody's going to, like, you know, I, I wouldn't walk up to, like, you know, maybe... You know, all the dudes in there would be like, oh, it's all this love in the air. They'd be like, Psh, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that's that's what it is. It is. It's a love for the art form. It's a love for each other. There's 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 a whole... There, there's dudes out there that adapt and I tell them I love them every week. Because, like, I love being there with them, and I do love the energy that they bring. And they're good people. And one of the things that impresses me, like, when I first took the class, and now I'm remembering, you definitely were in my first class that I took because I had just seen you in UCC, Okay. And not just, but like I'd seen you in UCC, I voted for you, um, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to take this class. Like I could do this. A couple people had had, had um, like seemed like I could achieve that level. Like like I was like I could do that. Like that wasn't like it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't like that. And I was like, okay, maybe I could do that. And I walk into class the first day, and I see you. And there was somebody else, Shay. Do you remember Shay? Yeah. All right, Shay said, you know, this is my third time taking the class or something. And I remember when I left, I called my friend Heather, who had gone with me to, to UCC. I'm like, you remember that guy, Tony? And at that, when we went to the competition, she's like, yeah. And I'm like, he's in this class. This is supposed to be a beginner class. What the hell is he doing in this class? What the hell am I doing in this class? I was, like, pissed. And, she, and I'm like, and she's taken it a bunch of times, like, what the hell? I don't know what this is. And then, as you know, months have gone on, people that I know who have been booked on shows, who are coming to the mics, who are doing all those things, are coming and taking the class. And I'm like, oh, like everybody is still working it and wanting to come and work on their writing and work on whatever it is that they want to work on. This is not just you come in the door as not necessarily like me this is the first time you step foot in here. Yeah. You know? And I like that. I like that the people in the community, the people who I see at Mike's and who I talk to, are not, are still seeing themselves as a beginner in a sense. Like wanting to really, um, in Buddhism we call it the beginner's mind. Like really working from that place of, I still have things to learn. Well, everybody, and, everybody's and of got of course things. we all have things to learn, but people don't always see that. You know what I mean? There's not that arrogance. That's what it is. It's 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 people really wanting to improve their craft. Well, I mean, and that's and, and I think that says a lot. You know, you said like there's you know people talk about um, doing like like having classes, but 
But I think that says a lot for the classes that people come and do this. Right? Well, it's it's that class. It's yeah. Because Steve, so first and foremost, Steve and Jenny, whether 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 people want to believe it or not, are two of the top twenty improvers on the fucking planet. Not in North Carolina. Not in the United States. Not in the Northern Hemisphere. The planet. I'd haggard to guess the galaxy. They're just... They're, and I'm so serious. Like, that's not an exaggeration. When I yeah. say top 20, period, top 20, period. Bare minimum, if not top 10. If not top 10. Like, so... These are two people who know how to find funny in anything. Right, right. And it's, it's, they love doing what they do. They love doing what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But it's, you know, a lot of people say Jenny's mean, and that is, for, for the community is itself, that is a woman who's given more to the comedy community here than anybody. But, you know, Jenny, Jenny's, I don't think Jenny's mean. I think Jenny, she, she, I think, I will. I mean, <laughs> people have told me, like, yeah, but no, what I see, I see Jenny the same way I see myself when I'm teaching. Like, Jenny will say things and Jenny will pick on people. And if you're in my classroom and I'm not picking on you, you should just assume that I don't like you. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and, and, cause that, 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 that is true. And, you know, so I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I haven't been around that long and I don't know her that long, that well, but the, the, the times that she has, like, after open, you know, I go up for open mic and she makes fun of me, I'm like, it, I feel so good. I'm like, you know, thank you. <laughs> she's, no, no, she's, she's, she's a, <coughs> she's a pillar in the community. She is, I've, I've said it on the podcast last week and I'm saying it again, she's the Mitzi Shore of comedy. In Greensboro. Um, Does that make you Polly? No, 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 no. Michael's Polly. No. I guess that would be yeah, Michael. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Michael, Michael will be Polly. No, that doesn't make me Polly. But he's at all. not doing. He's not doing stand up. That's why I'm thinking you. No, so. pa- Polly's doing stand up. I know. We didn't know what said it was good. But um, <laughs> nothing like watching a Polly show. Nothing like what. Yo, Polly was fantastic. Uh, in the Army Now and Biodome are two of my favorite movies ever, ever. For Biodome, mostly because it's one of the first times you can see Tenacious D on video. They're the I don't ba- know that man. I know the other one, but I don't know that one. You don't know Biodome? No. Oh, it's um, it's uh, Polly Shore and one of the Baldwin brothers. I can't, I can't think of which Baldwin. I think it's maybe Stephen Baldwin, but it is Biodome. I, I'm gonna have to look that y- up. You know what? Well, we this is this is why we have a show. Well, I was gonna say I'm gonna. Oh, you're gonna pull it up here. Yeah. Right. This this is why we have a show. This is why we have audio on a show. Because it's just. I'm Joe Coy with a helpful tip for surviving your next family reunion. Steer clear of your ex girlfriend. Yeah, Nothing like abs, right? Yeah, he's doing a special in Puerto Rico. Yo, Joe Coy's fire. I love him, but he's doing a whole thing in Puerto Rico. I can't wait for tomorrow. I really like him a lot. So, so Joseph. This, <laughs> so this is the trailer. A pure self-contained environment. 
where five scientists are about to be sealed off from every conceivable form of contamination except one. Who's the other guy? The doors are sealed for one year. We're stuck here. That's right. Well, that's, a, that's the bottom oh, guy. That, oh, that's the bottom guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 385 days? I've never seen this. This is from the 80s, yeah? Early 90s? Late 80s, early 90s. About endangered species. They're the rarest Lepidoptera in the world. It is, it, 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 it is, you gotta watch that movie. I will watch that movie. Well, in the, in the, in the reference paying ads. Uh, 1996. Oh, that's yeah, nice. See, that's my daughter's one. <sighs> busy. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, in the reference paying ads, we gotta play a couple ads real quick to pay some bills. We'll be right back. Thanks for sticking through the ads, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, I had a thought. <laughs> and is it still in this room? No, it's over there. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, th- I think the community thrives that way for, for multi, for a multitude of reasons, but I think mostly it's because of viewers like you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. I, I think, I think it's, I just think we have magic and there's something magical about the place and there's just something magical about the group of people. And as, as long as we continue to feed it, it'll be magic forever. And I really, I mean, and I think that in in some ways, just personally, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do beyond taking the class, right? I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then we did the showcase, and I was like, can I go back on there now? (laughs) I want to do it again now. And I feel that way every time I do open mic. Like, you know, I always want to go, can I go again? Because I just, I I really like it. And, And part of the reason I like it is, like I said, I don't, you know, I like being up there. I mean, I like being up there. Uh, but it, it, it's also the community, and I think that magic that you're talking about is like, is is exactly what I needed when I walked into that space. And because this this is out of my area, out of my genre. The Hobbit. Yes. 
the Lord of the Rings. Yes. They're not the same thing? Yes. They are the same thing? Yes. The Hobbit is the first? The Hobbit is the story that happens before the story in the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Okay. Because I've read The Hobbit. Yeah, so you've read There and Back Again. You've read There and Back Again. But the story the rest of Bilbo. Of it, I don't. Yes. Yeah, you, Bilbo you've, read, you've, read, you've yes. read Bilbo going through and meeting Smaug and coming back from. Yeah. So. The, that, that was a long time ago, but I mean, as an adult, I've read it, not yeah. as in school. Well, so, yeah, but yours is more concerned with Bilbo's journey and his interactions with Gollum and Smaug as opposed to, like, what Sauron's doing and how Sauron's affecting the realm. And see, I th- this is not my genre, all right? So I don't, I don't, I haven't read any of that. I've read the Harry Potter books, um, and... I think you should read those two. Those are fantastic. Um, the other thing I want to do, Gabby and I talk about just opening up a uh, churros y chocolate place downtown. <laughs> and there's a place in Mexico City, it's very famous, called um, Mora, and which also means blueberry, but... Um, Mora is, or is it Moro? Um, the walls, the floors, everything are tiled. It's like this beautiful, beautiful historic building. And all they have there are churros and different kinds of hot chocolate. And it's like this place that has been there forever. And it's packed all the time and it's just beautiful. And we want to like make it like a mini version of that here in Greensboro. So maybe that's what I'll be doing for my retirement. So I'll host the open mic for free. I just, I need cafe. When I, we can do coffee. We can do coffee. Yeah. And actually what I really would like to do is open a bookstore next door. Um, that's, that. Upstairs. See, that would be, ah. Like you can walk, so you could still smell the stuff. I've always wanted to have a small bookstore. I, Scuppernog downtown, mm-hmm. they took on a, ne- a new partner <clears throat> like a year ago. And I was so pissed. I'm like, why didn't they tell me that? I don't have any money. But I was like, I would have figured something out to come be a partner with them. Because I would love, and I love the, the guys that own it. And, and Did they know, though? No, and I didn't know. Well, so you should have, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, like, they didn't ask me. Did they know you were available? Not exactly. That's, that's why I'm so happy that you keep coming. Because every time you come, I feel like you put a little bit more of yourself out there into the world. None of those things, they used to be the worst thing for me. But no, mine was, I mean, I did that to myself. I, was, I turned myself into a golem. Right. Ironically. Right. Uh, but it just, like, it's it's cool to see, like, because like, I remember the first couple times you got up to class, you were just so, like, and I was like, come on. Dawn, because like I knew, I knew in my head it was like I was like, "Yo, this is gonna be." I was so scared. Yeah, but it was, but it was so uh, the the stuff you wrote, and not you in the situation. It was funny as fuck. Like it was just like it was. I I laughed at it. Like yo, like if something's not, I don't laugh at stuff that I don't find funny. I'm like my body does not let me. See, I do. When we have open mic and there's like somebody new, especially if it's on a Thursday, and they're up there and they're just like. "Mm." I'll laugh anyway because I feel bad for it. See, that's... But you know how we keep the magic? You know how we keep the magic? By keeping it real. I understand. Yeah, we don't, we don't do I that. know, but I can't... I don't do it for y'all, but when it's somebody new, I just... I can't... I'm a mom. I well, can't help well, here's, it. Well, here's another thing, too, though. <laughs> there's there's a couple of us that'll, that you'll hear chuckle in situations like that because we can see them realize the tension. 
And, like, the chuckle is more or less just to break the tension in their head. It's like, you know, just get through your set. But then again, as you've seen, if you walk into that room on a Thursday night and you say it's your first time, you're going to get something. Right. Like, even if you don't get laughs really through your set, we are going to clap and cheer our asses off and wolf whistle and scream at you while you get on and get off. It's a tough room. Yeah, but we want you to get... It's not a tough room, though. It's not. Yo, it's... You know why that's not a tough room? Because people are there for comedy. You know what a tough room is? Anywhere that has a bar. And I don't mean like the little bar that we got in the back of the club. I'm talking like... A bar bar. This place is popping out wings and and Bud Light while they're watching a game. Yeah. It's... No, I I find that... But I need to get... But I got to get over it because I... this Wednesday is going to be my last Wednesday for a while because I've got class on Wednesdays. Well, that's fine. And so I'm going to have to go on Thursdays. So I'm, or you I'm can just jump in the car. To... You can just jump in the car with me some Monday nights and ride to Monster Cade and Winston. Do you go? Oh, I've got. See, I've got class on Monday. <sighs> There's green bean on. There's on. Yeah. So here's my question: Have you gone? Have you done the green bean? I have not because it's... I the the time that I get off work, from what I understand, like if. I don't know the person who runs it, and I would feel awkward and remiss if I were to message somebody that I didn't know and be like, hey, I'm blase, blase, blah. I don't get off work until this time, so can you put me on the list early? Because it's a show up and sign up list. Right, right. So, like, the first couple times I went to MonsterCade, I joshed around and I showed up late, and I had to sit up there for an hour and a half, two hours to go. But you know now I show up early and I sign and usually I sign up like I don't I don't sign up first I usually sign up fifth six or seven, typically because that's when I can get in and like I try to stay as long as I can. There's I can count on one hand how many times I've left the idiot box like on a Thursday or a Wednesday like early and it was just because I had stuff going on. Right. You know. And see, you tr- I, that's, you try the thing, to stay. that's the other thing with me for Thursdays is I, it's late sometimes and. I gotta get up. And but here's on. the thing: but I've people, never left early. Yeah, but nobody's gonna like. A lot of us understand that a lot of us work day jobs. Some of us are just fucking savages. Like I me, mean, like I showed up at work five minutes late on Friday, and I usually show up five minutes late on Fridays. But they know they know what I do on Thursdays. Right. But I'm still there. I still make it in. You know. The, the one time that I was there on a on a Thursday, I was sitting with you and Madison and and JT, and I was sick. And I didn't really know till I got there that I really was getting sick. And I was really scared that I had gotten COVID and I'd been sitting there with you guys. I was like, oh, my God, that's horrible. But I, I, I didn't have COVID, but I was, I was getting a really bad upper respiratory infection. And she didn't call me till really late. And I'm sitting in the chair, like, <laughs> sinking lower and lower. And I thought about going and just asking her, like, can you get me on soon? Because i got to go to bed. But I really didn't want to. And by the time she called me up there, there were only like five people left, so I wasn't going to leave then. And and I think every time I've gone, I've gone pretty late, so then I just wait because I'm, you know, it's almost well, I mean, over. It, it gets to a point where when you, like, if you, if you're some, if you're a regular, like, if, if you come in, if, if you're, if you're consistently showing up, you know, consistently putting in the work, I'm sure if you were to ask... She, she, I mean, she wouldn't let you put in a spot, but be like, hey, I've got, you know, because, I mean, like, some people have kids. Right. And they'd be like, hey, I've got a sitter tonight. Do you mind if, and, like, those are things that they all work out. You know, right. I'll never divulge, I, I know people that have done that. I'm never going to divulge those those people because right. it's it's not their bit. But what right. I'm saying is, is, like, if you, like, never be afraid to ask. 
the worst she could say is, I can't really do it right now, but, you know, maybe in the future. Right. Or, you know, somebody wouldn't mind making a contingency uh, as long as we know that you're putting the work in for it. And by we, I don't even like the, the powers that be. Right. You know, right. know that you're putting work into it. That's that's fine. Like, there's no reason you can't do that. Right. I could understand feeling nervous to do it because I, I will admit that I one time um, said something like, hey, I've got something with the wife. And she was like, yo, you can, and I went up first and... Like I I stayed for like three and then I threw up and I was out because I had I had stuff I had to do but I but I wanted the rep right so I did right. it for the rep now I did that knowing that the next night when I showed up I was probably going at the end of the pack and it was I think I was second to last yeah but like I was fine with that because like you didn't have, it wasn't you were trying to get well yeah I didn't I, I didn't mean that I didn't mind the give and take on that like right. I you know because right. if somebody else needs it I want somebody else to have that opportunity when they have it. You know, because I know guys that that love to hang around because it's a good hang. But then you've got other people that live, you know, like there's guys from Winston that Winston, come. There's yeah. guys yeah. from Charlotte that come. There's guys from Virginia that come. There used to be guys from South Carolina that came in Georgia. Like, Georgia. Fucking, yeah. To them. But that's that's because the place is magical. Right, right. So, yeah, so getting back to the green bean. And, and green bean... Their mic is not just comedy, though. Yeah, it's it's, it's not that, but it's still if you're looking for a rep. I'm just trying to say if you're looking to places to rep. Yeah, because Zoe gotta, and I went. It wasn't for the greening. You know, Nick Chacha does a, a show. The greener watches, side, yeah. yeah Chacha yeah. does the greener and side. And so show. Zoe and I, my daughter and I went just to watch, and um, I was like, "Wow, I feel old in this space right now," <laughs> because it was like UNCG. Greensboro College and Dawn. But that, yeah, and, you, and that is another thing that I've got to get over because I am older. I mean, it's just I can't change that. So is Lewis Black. And, you know, and... Lewis and, Black looks like he's about to fall the fuck and, apart and, and see, and that's the thing is, I know I don't look... I know I don't look older. I mean, so I'm like, I need to get over that. And it's it's up here. It's up here. I mean, you you said your daughter was born in what, 94? 96. 96. So she's 26? She'll be 26. Yeah, she's the same age as my wife. So, like, you're like you're not, like, you're nowhere out of age range. There is no age range. Look, Jim fucking Payne. <laughs> Jim Payne looked like the goddamn Crypt Keeper. <laughs> fucking, like, but I love Jim. I love Jim. Yo, every time. Jim was at Grainerside last go-round. And Jim smacked. Like, Oh my god. He is funny. He is yes. really funny. You know he was a professor? Yes. Yes. Do you I know what he wife. taught? Yeah, wait, I do know what he taught. Oh, I've been, I need I've been needing to answer this question uh, for like three months. Wait, let me think, because his wife is an ESL teacher. She and I have a connection. Um, what did he teach? I don't remember. No I feel, I feel like it's something in the humanities though. Like not like science or something. I feel like it's. I didn't want it to be. I wanted it to be like a teacher, like English lit. Or... It very may well have been. I mean, I feel like it. Yeah, she teaches English as a second language, which is what I taught. And she and I sat together when they did their showcase, and and she's lovely. Oh my gosh, she is just absolutely lovely. Um, they're both. It's their second marriage, and uh, they just. Uh, yeah, I'm just in love with them. But he is funny as shit. Yeah, Jim Jim he is, Payne's. He is really funny. Jim's the man. Part of my problem with late night, like with Thursday nights, is 
I come home and my brain is, it's like, I don't come home and go to bed. No. <laughs> so. How quick do you I, listen to your set? Do you listen to it on the ride home? No. I listen to it on the ride home. No. Um, I usually wait till I get home. Yeah. I usually wait till I get home. But, um, I, uh, luckily I have a late school, so I don't have, I have to be at work at 830, which for education is very late. Yes. Um, you know, so at least if I don't go to sleep until two o'clock, which is usually what happens, it's not that bad. Um, but, uh, and I'm not teaching anymore. It would be very hard to do this and have to like deal with children all day long and be nice. Just teach creative writing. And, um, so. You can teach creative writing. Do you know how much kids hate to write? I love teaching writing. That's my favorite thing. I love teaching writing. We had a, I, her name was Miss Richmond and she had a red pen. And that red pen caused me so many different... I hate red pens. I'm pretty sure that red pen is the reason why they put me on Xanax. Red pens are, are so horrible. I mean, they really are. Um, I'm so I'm excited this year, though, because I have a friend. She's a second year, second and a half year teacher, uh, language arts teacher. And she and I are going to be doing some projects together in the library. And she's like a phenomenal teacher. And we're going to be doing a lot of poetry together. I don't write poetry, but I like teaching poetry. And so we're going to be doing, like, all kinds of stuff together. So then I get to feel like I'm still a teacher, but I don't have to show up with kids every day. You know? I see. And I dig poetry in a written form. I just, like, I, uh, when I was trying to be a poet, I was really into, like, Saul Williams and George Watsky and modern Def Jam slam-style poetry. Right. Which is beautiful. Like, it, I think it's beautiful. A lot of people think it's silly. Have you read The Poet X? It's a gra- it's not a graphic novel. It's a novel in verse. It's the poet X, and she is a a slam poet, and she's a high school student. It's a, a young adult novel. It's beautiful. It's called the Poet X. I have to read that. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful book. Yeah, you know, my next book that I'm reading is a Tom Segura's book. Tom Segura just released a book. Oh. Yeah, Tom Tom's book is out. It's it's called um. It's called uh, it's. It should be here. It was supposed to be here Saturday, and it got delayed because my shipper... I got an email from my shipper that said that they had made a mistake, which I was fine with. Um, what is your book called, Tom? Where is Have you ever read any um, David Sedaris? That name is so familiar. He is funny <coughs> as shit. He's an essayist, and he is funny as shit. I'll have to, um, I'll bring you a book. He's got a new one coming out, but it's out, but it's all hardback, and I don't want to pay for it. But Oh, I'd like um, to play alone, please. That's... Ah, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's more like a collection of essays. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like that. See, I, I read I read a lot of essays. That's what I write is essays. I don't write fiction. Um, but, um, you know, and so in that way, the comedy just sort of, it's a natural pairing for what I've always done. Mm-hmm. But like we were saying earlier, that it's the, the, the structure of it and, the, and the, the getting to, like for me, getting to the point is a long time. And for comedy... You can take a long time getting to the ultimate point, but you got to get the jokes in there in between. And 
that you do, that yes, yes. I, well, but it's different for everybody. But I will say, Dawn, um, I am so very glad you stopped by. Um, Me too. I, uh, I think, I, I, I I've, I've enjoyed doing it because like you, See, you got to see me at, at the rebirth of it. Because, like, I've been doing comedy for a little while before I had. And it wasn't until I, like, did the UCC. And then I, I got sick. And then came back out. Because the right. class is the first thing I did when I got out. Okay. Like, okay. showing up for class was the first thing I had done. I didn't go do any mics during the class because, you know, I was. Getting your shit together. Well, I was, I, I wasn't, I was, I was scared. I was so scared. And, um, you know, I went and did class and it was, I remember the first Thursday I showed back up. Um, I, I felt like a fucking JD was like, man, Tony fucking post on Facebook. And like he was dying. Like, it's like going out on top. I'm just fucking like, man, Dakota, Dakota straight up stood up there. He was like, I didn't even care about telling jokes tonight. I just came up here to fucking see Tony. Dakota's my boy. Like that every, every time I see Dakota at that mic, I got to hug that man. Like, I love that dude. I love that dude so much. He's a he's my buddy, but uh, I am so very glad that uh, you you came on just because it's so, uh, every time I talk to you I feel like I get something out of it, and it's just I just hope that every time we have conversations uh, I reciprocate. I feel like you are my biggest cheerleader, and see I'm getting teary now. <laughs> just just like I, I mean I really do I, I I you know we talk about the magic of the club but the magic for me started with you, and. You know, you always, 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 when you remember what you're going to say. <laughs> no, seriously, you always just either make me feel better if I'm just wigging out or give me, like, solid advice. You know, I, I, I have this, this real pet peeve about people giving unsolicited advice. And, you know, but I ask questions all the time. And, and in that case, I want advice. And you do. Like, I mean, we were having a talk last night about, about open mic. And it's like the second time you've told me the same thing, but sometimes it takes me a while to be like, okay, then maybe he's right. Maybe that's what I need to do. And, you know, I, I do. I think that you are, you know, what, what I don't know if people in your life know this, that you just are like the biggest heart and just like this beautiful, beautiful soul. And I, I mean, I appreciate being here with you and talking, but way more importantly, I appreciate you coming into my life. I mean, I really do. And, and I'm getting teary again, <laughs> but I do. You are a lovely, lovely human being. And thank so thank you for having me today. Thank you. Thank you. That is, that is, I think that's the nicest thing anybody said to me in a long time. That is, um, I, I, I'm just me, man. Look, it, t- it, it was a long road to get here, and I used to be, I'm glad we met when we met, because you r- would not have liked the human that used to be there. I was the same person at the core, but it, there was a lot of bullshit that, that, that was, you know, that, so it's that. But, um, I do something that's this, um, and I've been given the same little speech every time, so, um, I started this podcast years ago with a group of friends of mine on the premise to being funny. Uh, we all used to hang out at this bar and roast people at the side of the bar. Uh, that's why we got the name The Sidewalk Crew, because the thing was a sidewalk, and it was me and, like, seven friends that made up the original OG group, and it was just, that's all we did was talk shit, and we had a show, and things happened, people had lives where we couldn't, and when I brought it back, I said I was gonna do the thing that I've always wanted to do, because regardless of being a performer, um, I've always liked having conversations with people, 
And the reason why I like having conversations with people is because one of my favorite prairie people on the planet was a man named James Lipton who was on Inside the Actors uh-huh. Studio. Um, I James, love James Lipton. James passed a few years back, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he, he was the dean at the Actors Studio and uh, some of the best names he's ever made through there. Most notably, he was the first person that Dave Chappelle wanted to talk to when he came back. And then Dave, in turn, turned around a couple months later and was the only person to ever interview Jim on the show. For the 200th episode. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, James has unfortunately passed, but he was one of my heroes uh, because he, he he could have such good conversations with people. And you could tell he, because like, he put the time in and he cared about what he did. And I, I like to try to say I do that with my show. And since James is dead, nobody likes to, uh, can't do it anymore until somebody tells me I can't. Uh, I like to ask people the people questionnaire the at the end of my uh-huh. show. Um, so, Don Shirk. Don Shirk. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Gosh. In English? Yeah, sure. Because my favorite word is in Spanish. Well, then, yeah. My favorite word in Spanish is desafortunadamente, which means unfortunately, which seems like a negative word to be your favorite word, but it was one of the hardest words for me to learn to say. And I had, like, when I finally got it, I would just start saying, desafortunadamente, desafortunadamente. And it's stuck in my head. It's in my head all the time. So um, that probably is my favorite word. Thank you. What's your least favorite word? God. Um, moist. <laughs> yes. I hate that fucking word. I love it. It's nasty. Uh, what turned you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? An either or question. Uh, all of the above, I think. The the as much as I'm an introvert and I like to be alone, um, community conversation, um, feeding off of other people. What turns you off? People. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone I don't want to talk to. Seriously. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, my favorite question. Uh, on the questionnaire. What is your favorite curse word? Motherfucker. Did you see um, Horrible Bosses? Yes. Okay, and, and Jamie Foxx's name was Motherfucker Jones. I was like, God, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> but that's not when it became my favorite. My, can I, can I like add on to the yeah. answers here? All right, so um, Miles Davis's autobiography... That word shows up like 37,000 times. Yeah. And that's where I was like, God, I love this word. It just keeps coming back. There's a, I'll show you a clip after the show. There's a, there's a clip of Stanley who talks about how it's the best word in the English language. And the fact that it's Stanley saying it is amazing. Um, what is your, uh, what sound do you love? Um, I love the sound of the ocean when it's live. I don't like it as ambient sound. It annoys the crap out of me. But when I'm at the ocean, that is my favorite sound. I spend a lot of time at the ocean with my dad, so. Oh, yeah. What sound do you hate? <sighs> People. Uh, <laughs> um, That's fair. I, I don't like loud, clanging noises. Like, like. Bells. Bells or things like I like percussion, but I don't really like 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 a triangle or something metallic that's like xylophones. So yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, what sound do you? Oh, what is that? What sound do you hate? Yeah, chime noise. That's that's the that's the vegetables right there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what profession other than yours would you like to try? 
Stand-up comedian. <laughs> We've had this talk lady. You're in the club, but Coffee we'll take that. Coffee shop answer. owner. <laughs> Bookstore owner. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you absolutely never? Um, anything in the medical profession. And uh, finally, my favorite, uh, second favorite one. If God exists, what would you like to hear him say to you when you walk through the pearly gates? Tell me a joke. That's good. That's good. Don, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, Thank we'll, you. We'll definitely do it again. Like I've told everybody, uh, once uh, once we get video, uh, I'll have you back on so we can have a nice video show and everybody can see the wonderful shambles that my apartment's usually in. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, so much. Love y'all. See y'all later.